0: The following is a presentation of Hawkeyes Mike, LLC.
1: Hello everyone, this is John Patchett and welcome to the new Winter Weekly Wrap from Hawkeyes Mike. This is our new podcast that will focus on Iowa men's and women's basketball as well as Hawkeyes wrestling and there will be updates as necessary on Hawkeyes football. You'll hear from Iowa's head coaches and student athletes as well as sports reporters and special guests and regularly participating will be our own Tyler Chumland and Jack Bransgard. This week's podcast includes reports on Iowa football, men's and women's basketball, and wrestling, and will feature Kirk Ferentz, Brian Ferentz, Fran McCaffrey, Lisa Bluter, and Tom Brands.
2: Hawkeyes Mic programs are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years.
1: We'll start off this week's show with big news from Iowa football on several fronts. Last week, on Friday, Greg Davis announced his retirement, somewhat surprising. Then on Monday, as Kirk Ferentz held his now regular January State of the Program press conference, he surprised everyone not with the choice, but with the timing, by naming his son Brian Ferentz as offensive coordinator, a move that was largely praised in the media and seems to be well accepted by many fans. Then later in the week, they announced that running backs coach Chris White and wide receiver coach Bobby Kennedy were both being terminated. So this means that Brian Ferentz, as the new offensive coordinator, and of course in conjunction with his dad as head coach, gets to engineer an almost complete makeover in the offensive staff. Something that seems appropriate, given Iowa's struggles under the years when Greg Davis was serving as offensive coordinator, a philosophy of short passing game that didn't seem to mesh well with Kirk's insistence on a power running game. So all of that being said, that announcement Announcement and the other changes have pretty much erased bad memories of the terrible performance, especially offensively, in the Outback Bowl. The offensive stats all season long were mediocre to bad except for red zone production, and they were near the bottom nationally in many key categories. So Brian Ferentz and Kirk seem to be moving quickly to remedy that problem, and there will be more hires coming to the coaching staff, three and probably four with the approval of a new 10th assistant coach. This is what what Kirk Ferentz said when he announced Brian as the new offensive coordinator.
3: Regarding the offensive coordinator position, uh, really excited to name Brian Ferentz to that position. and um, you know, Just a couple words about Brian. Uh, he's had a tremendous career at the University of Iowa. He's obviously a former player like several other guys on our staff. I think he uh, really had a, a really great career here on the field. Certainly had a great career academically and just uh, I think really appreciates what's what's important here. And then most importantly, once he left, uh, the exposures that he's been able to have uh, being in Atlanta as a uh, practice squad player, uh, being around Jim Moore and his staff, the way they did things there. And then uh, after After that, spending uh, significant time up in New England and starting ground zero and working up to uh, being a position coach and being around Bill Belichick, people like Bill Belichick, Bill O'Brien on a day-to-day basis, I think has been really beneficial to him. You know, great guys to learn from, great guys to uh, have as mentors. And and Bill O'Brien in particular, you know, I know spent, uh, they worked really closely together and spent a lot of time uh, sharing his knowledge with Brian, but uh, Coach Belichick the same way. So I'm appreciative of that. And then certainly it's been fun and enjoyable to watch him over the last five years continue to grow and experience uh, success as, as a coach here. And I know he'll tell you that Greg Davis was a big part of that as well. So he's had great mentors with him on a day-to-day basis. Most importantly, he's been a pretty good student that way. And really, in my judgment right now, I think he's the best person uh, fit to, to lead our offense moving forward. Uh, he knows Iowa. He knows our players, knows our program. And most importantly, I think he knows you know what works here and what doesn't work. And that's, uh, that's important for all of our coaches. Certainly important for all of our players, too.
1: Then Brian Ferentz talked about... Be- becoming the Hawkeyes' offensive coordinator.
4: I just want to begin by expressing how how honored and humbled I am to have the privilege to be the offense coordinator at the University of Iowa. You know, and, and I'd just start by saying this, and I think you guys in this room that that cover us for a living, uh, you experience some of the same things we do. Whether you coach or cover this game, you know your loved ones are asked to make a lot of sacrifices. Uh, and I just want to recognize my wife Nikki for making those sacrifices for our family, uh, providing support and, and allowing me to do what I love to do, uh, which is coach football. And that being said, you know I was born uh, right across the street there at the University of Iowa hospitals and clinics. I just went out for a jog uh, beforehand, ran by uh, the house I grew up in on on Cozer Avenue right off of Melrose. And uh, I have fond childhood memories of tossing a ball to myself in that yard wearing a a Hawkeye uniform. Uh, And then I was fortunate enough, obviously, as a a teenager to uh, to. Live out those dreams. I wasn't tossing or receiving the ball anymore, but I was able to play here and take the field as part of the swarm. And then to come back here as an assistant coach five years ago, you know, I've just, it's been like a dream to me. I just feel so, so excited and so happy to have been a part of this program for for such a long time. With that being said, certainly my history uh, helps me appreciate the the responsibility that that I now have uh, as the offensive coordinator. I feel that responsibility to my former teammates, to to all the alumni of this program, uh, of our institution, to our great fans, to the people of this great state, being that we are the flagship institution and football program. So that's humbling, and uh, I don't take that that honor or that responsibility lightly. You know, As we turn our sights towards 2017 and the future, I do think it's important to to take a look at the past. Since 1999, our program has been built on on the mantra of tough, smart, and physical. That won't change. It certainly is not going to change offensively, Um, but our stated program goal is to win a Big Ten championship, and and we understand that uh, in order to do that, in order to compete at that level in this conference, um, we're going to need to have some flexibility and have the ability to change on a weekly basis and and do what's best to to win football games. So to to begin that process, obviously, over the next two and a half weeks, the focus is on recruiting and finishing the the 2017 class. But as we do that, we'll begin to to go back and look at 2016 and uh, fine-tooth that. We'll study it, we'll examine it, we'll learn from it, and we'll use that to formulate a plan to move forward.
1: Brian was asked specifically about Iowa's offensive struggles and the criticism that Iowa's offense is too predictable. You know, I think what we have to strive
4: for here, whether it's 2017 or 1999, it's, it's always the same thing we need to be balanced and I think with balance that probably takes care of some of those criticisms um, but it's like anything else you know we, we had to lean heavily on the running game this year and that was apparent down the stretch you know I, I think we had a 13 play drive against Nebraska I don't know how many times we threw it it wasn't many but we scored so it wasn't predictable right but when you're stopped it becomes very predictable and, and that's just how it works and I think that's a fair criticism when you do the same thing over and over again so what we need to to try to strive for and, and regain is that balance offensively and and that's what process will begin uh, immediately you know we got to start ex- by examining what we've done and figure out how to move forward
1: kirk was then asked about his sense of pride as a father with brian's development and now becoming offensive coordinator and getting to coach alongside his son
3: good things that happened during your life you know or career you know that's i, I guess that's what the retirement's for and i really haven't given this part of it much thought about yeah my, my first uh first objective was to to try to find the person that i felt was best uh for for leading our offense right now and you know that's where that went but you know it's as far as his growth uh, you know I mentioned uh, his time in New England which to me is so critical it's it's uh, and I feel that way about just about everything you know you need to get away from what you know and learn and uh, get stimulated by outside uh, sources and you know I worked with uh, coach Belichick for three years and you know I, I know the routine I know what the drill is and I know just how much uh, opportunity there is for growth and there are days today you know one one disadvantage of being the head coach is you get torn in a couple of different directions and you know, I think it would probably do all of us good probably in every profession if you could take a year off and just do professional development be the guy that has that desk in the hall and do all the grunt work that you, you know, all of us did, you know, more than 20 years ago, I guess. Uh, but you know, that was a big part for him, uh, certainly. And then, you know, just to watch his continued growth on a day-to-day basis—it's, uh, you know, as a head coach, I like seeing it with all of our coaches, and, and we have a lot of guys that are growing on a daily basis. That's what life's all about—a uh, young world. And um, but I uh, just, yeah, it's it's been good. And then as a dad, certainly, uh, you feel good about that.
1: It's a race to the finish line in this year's recruiting, and Kirk gave a brief update on where things stand in that regard.
3: I think we're really well positioned right now. But uh, like every year, certainly like last year, what happened in, Jan- in January really helped shape and mold the uh, recruiting class. And uh, I think we're off to a good start. I think we have a good core group of guys right now that are committed to us. And uh, this class thus far at least feels a lot like the class we had last year, which after having them on campus for uh, whatever it would be, you know, six, eight months, uh, I think they have a chance to really be a good group. So we're hoping that we can finish uh, finish well. Uh, We've got two and a half weeks here of uh, hard work in front of us. And uh, hopefully that all all goes well.
1: In men's basketball, it was a great week at Carver-Hawkeye Arena, certainly in terms of results, but also in terms of performance. Following a narrow 68-62 win over Rutgers last Sunday, the Hawkeyes pulled off a terrific upset with a thrilling win over Purdue Thursday night, 83-78. It was well-deserved, and it was no fluke. And it meant that Iowa's men's team has now improved to 11-7 and over all 3-2 in the Big Ten, and it saw a big jump in their RPI. Head coach Fran McCaffrey talks about his team's performance. And grabbing that win over the Boilermakers.
5: The thing I always say is, you know, when you go through what we went through down there, you have to learn from it. You can't dwell on it. Uh, we got pounded on the glass. Our defense wasn't very good. Uh, our execution offensively wasn't very good. Well, the reason it wasn't very good was because of who we were playing and how they were playing us. And, you know, sometimes you just have to learn what playing on the road of the Big Ten is like, especially a team of that caliber and then you go back to work and you you grow and you figure it out and you know to come back and out rebound them, to get 40 points in the paint for us and you know you can't turn the ball over 19 times and, and beat Purdue you know 10 is is about where you have to be and you know Jordan 9 and 1 Pete 8 8 assists and we have to distribute the offense we can't just ride Pete now sure Pete had 29 but we mixed it up with our with our post scorers and with you know obviously Jordan Bohannon. You know, and Ryan Crean has been waiting for a chance, and he's earned that chance, and couldn't be prouder of him.
1: And McCaffrey said his team performed like veterans instead of the young team that they are, especially in the second half versus Purdue.
5: Well, they certainly played like a veteran group in the second half because the thing you have to do when you look at Purdue is be respectful of the fact that they had a number of opportunities to, you know, pack it in. And they didn't do that. They kept coming back and taking the lead. Yeah, they gave up the lead, but they took it back. And then they took it back again. And they just they kept making shots and they kept making baskets. And then we got the stops at the very end. That's what good teams do. They make you play this way to win. And that's what makes it a good feeling for me because I just want those guys to experience what that's like.
1: The Iowa men now travel to Northwestern for a Sunday evening game that's close to a must win if they want to stay competitive here and have any chance to make postseason play particularly the NCAA tournament and then they'll have an enormous challenge this coming Thursday evening at Carver Hawkeye when they take on the Maryland Terrapins.
2: Are you or your local Iowa company looking for a new roof or sheet metal work? TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal specializes in low slope commercial and industrial roofing and sheet metal. Building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years, TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, located in Ely, Iowa, just south of Cedar Rapids, provides strong, expert customer service and the best quality fit for you, their customer. For a free estimate, give TNK a call at 319-848-4191 or toll-free at 1-800-383-7663. You can also visit their brand new website at tkroofing.com. TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, your home for all your low slope roofing systems. Give them a call today. Again, 319-848-4191 or toll free at 1-800-383-7663.
0: This is your Hawkeyes Mike wrestling update. The number three Iowa Hawkeye wrestling team thus far has been successful with a 7-0 record in duels and a Midlands championship, but there's always more, and they're about to have arguably their two toughest tests coming up in the next week. They'll face off against number one Oklahoma State and number two Penn State in duel meets in the next 10 days. At 125 so far this season, number one ranked Thomas Gilman, the senior, currently 17-0, big wins over number five Tim Lambert of Nebraska, and number 10 Josh Terrio of American. Gilmore was score, he scored bonus points in all of his 17 matches except for his match with Terrio from American in which he won 8-6 in the championship bout in the Midlands at the Midlands Championship. Gilman's going to wrestle number 11 Nick Piscini of Oklahoma State when the Hawkeyes travel to Stillwater on Sunday. He'll also get number 3 Nick Suriano, the freshman from Penn State in the duel with the Nittany Lions on the 20th. Gilman's goals this year are simple. Undefeated season, Big Ten title, national title. No secret there for the senior. At 133, number 1 ranked Corey Clark battled in After starting 7-0 and missed the entire month of December, he finally returned to the duel meet um, against Michigan, barely held on for a 2-0 win in that duel over Michick of Michigan. He's the number 8th ranked wrestler. Uh, Clark is going to wrestle Cade Brock from Oklahoma State, who's ranked number 5, and he should get Jared Cortez, the sophomore from Penn State. Clark's goals, same as Gilman's. Championships all the way through. Corey Clark missed the entire month of December. Here's Corey Clark last week talking about getting on the mat and how important it is to wrestle on the mat as opposed to just practicing and how important that is going forward to try and get your stamina back up and try to get that feel for actually wrestling as we get into the heart of the Big Ten season and ultimately the turn season coming up in about a month and a half. It's good. I mean, it wasn't difficult. It's just good for me to get the, the mat time and kind of that feeling, all the, the nerves and the just the whole routine thing down. Just kind of like each time I go through that warm-up, there's nerves, you wrestle, a match is different than practice, even though you try and relate the two. It's just kind of it's hard to create that without actually doing it, so it's just really good for me to get two matches under my belt. 141, number 15, Topher Carton has stepped in as a senior leader, trying to make his mark on the Iowa program with a 17 and 2 record so far. He wrestled tough in the Midlands, losing to number two Jack of North Carolina State and Rolfing of of Cal State Bakersfield. He'll be getting the toughest test of all, probably in the Oklahoma State duel with number one Dean Heil. Then he'll score off with number 12 Jimmy Goulabon of Penn State. Topher Carton could be one of those key factors as we get to tournament season. Um, once we get down towards the end of February into March, 149, number two Brandon Sorensen, undefeated. On the year, but had a scare in the Midlands Championship bout against number six Justin Oliver of Central Michigan, in which Sorensen won in sudden victory to win the Midlands Championship. Number two ranked Hawkeye Russell, number three Anthony Kalika from Okie State, and number one Zane Rutherford from Penn State. Rutherford, of course, beat Sorensen for the Big Ten Championship last year and ultimately the national championship last season. Two wins in a row against Sorensen in championship bouts. Sorensen should have a chip on his shoulder. Should look to bounce back against. Rutherford. Hopefully he can get a big win for the Hawkeyes over the Nittany Lions. 157, big surprise. Not really a big surprise if you watched quite a bit of wrestling last year. Number two, Michael Kemmerer has made a huge impact as a redshirt freshman this year. Wrestled well unattached last year. He's a good kid. He's undefeated. He's already notched victory over number two Tyler Berger at the time in Nebraska. He's going to have number six, Joe Smith from Oklahoma State, and then number one, Jason Nolf from Penn State. So Kemmerer, I don't necessarily know if he's going to be able to go 2-0, go undefeated, but if he does over these next couple weeks, we're going to have a number one ranked wrestler at 157 for the Iowa Hawkeyes. And Michael Kemmerer is really, really impressed. Obviously, a trend that each wrestler um, is going to battle against a couple top opponents in these next couple duels. But Kemmerer, I think, really has an opportunity to really demonstrate that he could very well be the class at 157. 165, Joey Gunther's been the guy. And for good reason, he started incredibly strong. It could be a true freshman, though. Alex Marinelli, who plays fourth at the Midlands. But Gunther's gotten the nod the past two dual meets against Michigan and Michigan State, who Whomever wrestles at 165 for Iowa is going to have number six Chandler Rogers from Oklahoma State. And number four, yet another freshman, uh, Vincenzo Joseph of Penn State, um, in that meet next week. 174, number 13, Alex Meyer Sr., who I feel kind of has been on the cusp over the last year or two of really arriving. 12-0 start this year. We kind of thought, you know, this might be the time, but he's dropped two of his last four matches, both to top ten opponents, respectively. That's fine against Michigan and, uh, and, and Iowa State. Meyer, to me, is a key cog for Iowa's success at the end of the year. I talked about that a little bit ago. I think this is a huge weight class for Iowa. They need to do well at 174. He's got some tough matches coming up, but they're winnable matches for Meyer. He's got Kyle Kutchmer, the number five-ranked wrestler for Oklahoma State, and then Gino Morelli from Penn State, number ranked number 14. Both wrestlers in the top 15, good opportunity for Meyer. Now, here's Alex Meyer on being excited to go wrestle Kyle Kutchmer. They have a history to him and Meyer have been wrestling together for a very very long time here's Alex Meyer um I'm excited you know it's uh Iowa Oakey State um it's a big match been there before um you know it means a lot to our program means a lot to their program um you know it's just a rivalry it's it's great um me Meyer versus Kretschmer you know it's Meyer versus Kretschmer around like eight I think going back to high school so yeah I'm excited you know it, wrestles hard i wrestle hard i'm excited for it and didn't work out the way i wanted to last year so you know uh wrestle smarter um wrestle wrestle harder at the beginning and um have a go the other way at this time. At 184, Sammy Brooks, the number six-ranked wrestler, started 12-0 until the quarters at Midlands, where he lost to Nathan Jackson of Indiana. But bounced back, he's 6-0 and since, and he should be poised to have a couple big matches ahead of him with number five, Nolan Boyd, for the pokes, and number two, Bo Nickel, for Penn State. Good chance for Sammy Brooks to get back on the wagon here um, and get things rolling as we continue into the Big Ten season. 197, redshirt freshman Cash Wilkie. He's the guy, at least for now. He's had a good start to the year, and he's recorded a couple nice little wins in the Big Ten, but 197 is going to be one of the weakest weights for Iowa going forward, but it's not terribly weak for Iowa if you look at it from this perspective, and that is overall competition at this weight class from the top to the bottom, probably the lowest of all the weight classes. He's got a couple tough matches coming up. That's Wilkie number four, Preston Weigel from Oklahoma State. That's a tough task, but I think number 11, Matt McCutcheon from Penn State, is definitely beatable, but still another tough one. So, look, he's got some good opportunities to really turn in some big wins for Iowa this week, and as I mentioned, you know, a redshirt freshman, when is he going to turn the corner? You see so often these guys get into the middle of the season, and Iowa wrestling really, really proves that they can be tough, and they can do well um, in these big matches, these big meets. At heavyweight, number 6, Sam Stoll missed the entire season leading up to the Midlands, but he bounced back, wrestled well at the Midlands, placed second behind him. Mahal, number four, from Arizona State. Stoll's going to have Schaefer, a senior from Oklahoma State. He's ranked number nine. And number five, Nick Nivelles from Penn State. So Stoll has a chance possibly to win a couple big matches here and try to um, elevate his wrestling and his game as well a little bit. But again, Sam Stoll missed a lot of time. Stoll's another another weight class with Stoll at heavyweight that Iowa needs to have success with if they want to have success ultimately in postseason tournaments. Overall, it's the same old story. Iowa's winning. You know, you look at their team, They're 7-0 and in dual meets, they won the Midlands, they won the Luther Open, they won, you know, pretty much everything all the way through, but Tom Brands has not been terribly happy with the way things have gone. In a perfect world, he'd win every single match, but that hasn't necessarily been the case. Here's Tom Brands talking about how big of a meet this Oklahoma State meet is. It's a huge meet. It's number one versus number three, Oklahoma State versus Iowa. Some some rankings have Iowa at number two. It's number one versus number two, number one versus number three. This is a huge meet in Stillwater. Here's Tom Brands talking about the magnitude of this big meet against the Cowboys.
1: Well, they uh, they take wrestling serious down there. Their arena is named after a wrestling coach, and uh, we know the history, they know the history, and this battle has been hotly contested for decades and this is no exception and they know what we're about we know what they're about and this is high stakes Um, it's probably not as important as maybe the national championship but this Sunday it is the most important event on probably both teams calendars and and uh, it is for sure because it's the one that's next so it's fun for the fans it's Great for our team to be able to go into an environment like that and the, with the history and the tradition. And we like challenges on the road. There's there's no better challenge than when you're going on the road to Stillwater, Oklahoma. It's up there with the best of the challenges.
0: Again, Iowa will wrestle number one Oklahoma State on Sunday at 2 p.m. This has been your Iowa Hawkeye Wrestling Report. I'm Tyler Chumlin with Hawkeyes Mike. <laughs>
2: Just a reminder, you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawkeyes. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the news and events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes. And you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, Medium, and Facebook.
1: The Iowa women also had a good week as they exacted revenge for their narrow loss at Illinois with solid play and a dominant performance start to finish at Carver Hawkeye Arena. They won Wednesday night's game over the Illini 78-58. to They improved to 11-6 overall, 2-2 in Big Ten play. And Lisa Bluter talked about her team's nice win over the Illini.
5: Well, that feels a lot better. You know, I thought we came out and took control of the game right from the start. I thought um, first quarter and fourth quarter were outstanding, but I really liked our our start in this game. I thought our offensive and defensive intensity was great both ends I thought we pushed even though we didn't get a lot out of transition I thought we got them on their heels quickly and then uh, I thought we really attacked their zone and got the ball inside for good shots against their zone and that's something we didn't do the first time we played them so it was really nice to see us you know the, the team make those adjustments and really go after it.
1: Now Iowa's women's team face a huge challenge just as the men do against Maryland on Thursday the women do Saturday afternoon against third ranked Maryland in Carver Hawkeye Arena they will clearly have to play their best game of the year to have a chance in this one. Thanks to Tyler Jemberland for the wrestling report and to Iowa's coaches and student-athletes. We hope you've enjoyed this program. All Hawkeyes Mike podcasts are available and can be subscribed to on iTunes, Overcast, and other podcasting apps. HawkeyesMike.com, podcasting Iowa athletics for 10 seasons. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices.
0: Nice work, everyone.
5: Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a
3: lot of hustle. I liked it.
0: This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.